Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. We've covered various aspects of uh, family law over the years here on Chicago's Legal Latte, including discussions involving child custody and child support. Now, occasionally, we need to revisit the topic as uh, a court ruling uh, creates a new perspective on the topic, and, and that's where we find ourselves today. Uh, hi, everybody. Jim Mitchell back with you. Uh, great to have you back as you listen into another of our weekly legal discussions. And the focus today will be on child custody and a 2014 court ruling that uh, expanded the instances or changed the instances in which a parent who has custody of a child or children uh, may actually be responsible for also making custody payments. Uh, Something new I've not heard of before, and there's no need for you to worry about relying on on my knowledge of the topic, as my guest today is exceptionally well-informed. As always, a pleasure to welcome Attorney Christina Regal back to the podcast. Uh, Christina is an integral contributor to the Family Law Practice Group at Lavelle Law Limited and stops by here from time to time to discuss detailed topics like this to help you and me along. So let's get to that. Good afternoon, Christina. Nice to talk to you again. Hi, Jim. Thanks. So when we venture into topics like these, I you know, I always want to do a quick reminder up front. So give us a, an overview of, of the topic and, and the difference between what was once known as alimony and now is referred to as maintenance and child support, because they're, they're different things, if I recall. Right. Yeah. So uh, there, domestic support obligations come in two varieties, or actually there's three varieties, but we won't get into the third because it's kind of a little more complicated. Um, the two main varieties. One is child support, money that people pay uh, to take care of their children, and the other is maintenance, or what uh, used to be known as alimony. That is for supporting a spouse. It doesn't relate to any kids. So somebody who um, who pays alimony pays to support their uh, former spouse. Child support is what uh, I think this is the topic of interest today, and that is money paid by one parent who doesn't live with the children anymore, typically, or by one parent to another parent in a divorce or after the end of a relationship. Okay. And you, you mentioned divorce. I was going to ask a preliminary question here as well. Is child support... Um, obviously, we, we talk about divorce cases, but with it, does this also apply to just paternity cases uh, in instances outside of a marriage? Yes, it does. Paternity as well. We'll be I, when I when I'm talking about divorce cases, or uh, you know, really, this what we're here to talk about in terms of child support applies to paternity and divorce cases. Great. Okay. All right. So, so by definition, then, who who receives child support? Okay. So, by definition, the the person who receives child support is most typically the parent who lives with the child or the children. So what we're seeing, you know, what we would see in a um, a typical divorce or child support paternity scenario would be one parent living with the children and another parent living in, separate from the children. And this doesn't go to matters of joint custody or sole custody. Those are those are legal decision-making custody rights. This is related to residential custody, which parent resides with the child. Typically, parent who resides with the child would be the one receiving 
the child support from the parent who does not reside with the child, the parent who does not have residential custody. That is how it's typically done. But we've had some new developments here in Illinois that have uh, changed the landscape a little bit, and that's what we're here to talk about. Okay. And, yes, yeah, certainly uh, that particular ruling is, is what we want to talk about. But let me let me just throw a couple more general questions at you before we do that. Because as you talk sure. about this process of child support, take us, take us through the process that the court would go through to determine, I guess, to determine if child support is required and then how they calculate what amount is to be paid in that instance. Okay. So child support is set at 28% of the obligor's income. So the or not 28%, that's for two children. So a percentage, rather, of okay. the income of the, of the parent who is obligated to pay child support. So there is a statutory guideline for a parent to pay a certain amount of their net income based on the number of children that they had with the person who was receiving the support. So um, in Illinois... Presently, the statutory guidelines for one child, child support is 20% of the net income. For two children, it is 28%. For three, it is 32. Four, it's 40%. Five, it's 45. And six or more is 50% of the net income. So a parent who has an obligation to pay child support and has six children would have an obligation to pay 50% of uh, his or her net income to the parent receiving the child support. Okay. And then you talk about obligation for the payor. For the recipient, the custodial parent who is then receiving that payment, are they obligated in some way to use that money for specific things? No. In fact, that um, judges will will remind parties all the time that, um, that there really is no set amount that is to go to any one thing. The court can't say, well, you, since you didn't use it for diapers, we're going to take that money away from you, or you need to use this amount for your mortgage, or this amount for clothes, and you can't spend it all on ice cream. There's no there's no kind of obligation like that. Really, the court provides this, it provides this funds to the parent receiving them to care for the child, and the uh, obviously the reason for doing so, or the spirit of the law, is to that this money be used for the children, um, but there's no requirement. Interesting. Um, all right, so you had mentioned uh, briefly here, uh, you know, a change, uh, something that has sort of added a bit of a new twist to this process, a court ruling, and I think uh, I think you had mentioned it was a 2014 ruling, and I assume here in Illinois. T- tell me about what happened and how this impacts child custody cases. Okay, so in 2014, the Illinois Supreme Court ruled on a case that uh, first came out of Cook County. Um, Judge Harris at the Daily Center um, ruled that a non-custodial or a, a father who actually had the residential custody of the children would have to pay to the children's mother, uh, from whom he was divorced, child support in the amount of uh, $700 a month um, so that she had sufficient funds to care, for the, to care for the children while they were in her care. So even though she had just visitation and was not residing with the children, um, her ex-husband, who was residing with the children, actually had to pay her money so that she had appropriate amounts of funds to be able to take care of the kids during her parenting time. Um, that's not something that we typically see. As attorneys, we um, set a child support obligation. Essentially, uh, what's typical is that one parent defrays the other parent's costs of being a parent, um, you know, providing, you know, a bedroom and clothing and food and, um, you know, 
bicycles, roller skates, uh, gifts for other kids' birthday parties, that sort of thing. That's what that 20, 28, 32% of the net income is to go for. And, um, and this new ruling, it's in, in Ray the Marriage of Turk, is is the the name of the court opinion that someone could google if they wanted to um this ruling basically says um takes it kind of turns that notion on its head and says mm-hmm. that uh really child support is for the children it's not just for the parent who's residing with the children it's for the children and if what the kids need is to have their non-custodial parent to have funds to be able to, to care for them during their parenting time that they're going to get it um so this is it is a very interesting case and it, it uh I think it leaves um, the attorneys, uh, I think it leaves attorneys, you know, with their heads scratching a little bit, knowing that, you know, any case that where they think that they knew what was going to happen now could go the other way entirely. Um, it, 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 it complicates matters. Well, and I want to talk about that complication a little bit. And, and I'm, I'm talking with uh, attorney Christina Regal, uh, a, a family law practitioner at Lavelle Law Limited. She's, she's been with me on the podcast many times, and it's it's always very valuable when, when we get her time here. Um, also, she's a regular contributor to the to the ever expanding library of, of great articles at LavelleLaw.com, um, and that website just went through a little redesign. So, if, if you've been following there, you can find a, a separate menu tab just for articles on the home page now. Um, and if you know you you want to look at family law or other areas, you can just go right to that practice group and find specific articles for that category of law as well. So, even easier to find this content now. So, Christina, you you sort of mentioned there that this creates a you know a bit of a dilemma and and makes you think twice as an attorney now how how does this change you know practice of law and and dealing with cases uh do you have to kind of approach things a little bit differently now well um there's a couple things that come to mind that's that's a great question by the way i think that sometimes in, in family law cases you know, I do. I represent a lot of women. I represent men and women, but I represent a lot of women and 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 parties who receive child support. You know, dads who have the children who reside with him. And um, you know, sometimes we see situations where the other parent doesn't want to pay child support. They'd rather actually have the children move in with them than pay child support to the other party. Um, and so this, you know, in a sense, maybe takes a little bit of an incentive away and says, okay, well, the obligation to pay child support doesn't necessarily go to the person who doesn't live with the kids so hopefully potentially it could take away some of that conflict that we get you know where having the the children can be its own uh can be its own financial boon or bust um and you know maybe just maybe um takes away that component in in some cases um but in in certainly in the majority of them i i don't want to i i I do not want to confuse the situation. In in the case in Ray the Marriage of Turk, the parent who was receiving the support and not living with the kid had an annual income of less than ten thousand dollars a year. And the court that was the reason that the court awarded child support to go to her because she really didn't have the funds to be able to take care of them during her parenting time. Um, you know, if we're looking at parents with equal earning power or parents who have equal incomes or parents who can really essentially make it on their own, we're not going to see, uh, I don't expect that we will see non-custodial parents receiving child support payments. But in this case, in Ray the Marriage of Turk, um, the payer, the dad who was living with the kids had a substantially larger income than the mother who was not living with mm-hmm. the children. So certainly something, you know, a ruling like this, as you as you mentioned, becomes at least a factor to consider. I assume, though, this isn't the type of ruling that in, in any way opens up any past 
cases or anything that had already been decided by a court that someone can come back and say, oh, well, now that this has happened, I want to go ahead and make changes in, in what's already existing? Oh, absolutely it does. Uh, you know, child support, that's a really good question, a really important thing to hit up on, Jim, is that child support is always modifiable. So it's not like we have, you know, in, in you know, you hear the term double jeopardy or, you know, as it relates mm-hmm. to criminal prosecutions or court cases and when the court makes its ruling, the ruling is final. There is never such a thing as a final ruling in a child support case. The Parties can always come back and say, hey, there's been a change. I lost my job. You know, Please reconsider the amount of child support I have to pay, or please reconsider the amount of child support I receive. Um, certainly, this new law can really raise some issues for people who, um, you know, if there are parents out there who really don't have funds, who really don't have children living with them, but wanna, want to exercise their parenting time, but don't have the funds to do so. Maybe they don't have money to make the drive to pay for the gas. Um, mm-hmm. They could be looking at asking the court to... Um, to award them child support to help them see their children. It's it's an interesting concept, and I think it it, it could reverberate in those kinds of cases, even even ones that have already been decided. Of course, um, uh, the parties who don't have those kind of funds are going to have to also maybe uh, potentially hire an attorney <laughs> who is skillful <laughs> enough to navigate this, so uh, they'll maybe have to check out what they can do about that. Yeah, yeah. All right, so I, and I know, you know, one, one ruling um, – can can often stand on its own. It can impact other cases going forward, and, and there's never, the, you know, sort of a a way to plan ahead. But with just a minute or so that we have left, I mean, is there anything else that might be brewing? Any other changes you would foresee in this particular area of law right now in Illinois? Big changes coming up. Another great question, Jim. There are big changes coming up. Uh, many states, um, including Florida and Indiana, have what's called income shares as their method of calculating child support, and we're looking to see that very soon in Illinois. I think it could be coming down the pike relatively quickly, where a parent's child support obligation is not set uh, as a percentage of their net income, but really is um, in, is really calculated in consideration of how much parent A has and how much parent B has. So if parent A has... Um, you know, if the parent who's not living with the children has an income of $60,000 a year and the parent who is living with the children has an income of $100,000 a year, we might see the parent not living with the child that pays substantially less child support than they would under the current calculation based on the statute. So uh, big changes in Illinois coming down the pike. And I think this is what we're seeing here um, is, you know, a breakaway from what's the traditional child support arrangement uh, and and a movement to one that takes into account uh, how much both parents have in terms of income and assets. Well, sounds like we have already uh, figured out what our next discussion with Christina Regal might be. Um, so we will let her go for today. Thanks very much for her time. Thanks to you for listening. And again, if, if this has sort of piqued your interest, you can reach Christina at 847-705-7555 or kregal at lavellelaw.com.